0: Jarring Cacophony tells you that you're back with the Power of Three podcast. The Doctory podcast that likes to talk about lots and lots of things at uh, just whenever we can be bothered, really. Usually every week for me, but for my uh, for my friends and uh, co-conspirators, it can be less often that happens. But uh, yes, we're back today with uh, the gang. The original, you might say. But we shouldn't really be here at the same time with him. Should be David Steele. Certainly not. It only happens in the gravest of emergencies. Yes, like now, unfortunately. Because we've got Tom Harris with us. Hello. Woo-hoo!
1: The OGs, we're back. <laughs> Tom, you, bet you, you should. Tom you should
2: explain for the benefit of our YouTube viewers what's what might happen whilst you're talking. Yeah, I'm in a hotel room in London, and. Uh for Some reason, well, I know the reason. Uh, my room is, is uh, the lights in my room are motion controlled, so if I stay still for long enough, which I tend to do in a normal space of time, uh, the lights go out. So the YouTube viewers can see that, but obviously, uh, just a uh, podcast listeners who can't be bothered logging into YouTube, uh, they, w- they won't see that, so that's fine, yeah, absolutely. Shame. Not, I don't I miss out on the
0: amazing <laughs> outfits we're all wearing tonight as well, but what can I you know. say? Oh, I know.
1: Um, Tom, of course. Tom, of course, is in London, ladies and gentlemen, because he's about to announce his shocking return
2: to frontline politics. He's going to save the world, aren't you, Tom? Uh, if I can get, if I can be bothered, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If I've got nothing else on, Dave. Mm.
0: But uh, I suppose in the meantime, something that we do have on is a little agenda for the new Doctor Who Blu-ray release that's recently been announced. And have we all seen the trailer?
2: Yes. No. <gasps> No, I only knew about it, Kenny, because you messaged me, and I went on online and and I ordered it. But no, I haven't seen the trailer.
0: Cool, Dave. Let's have a listen to it. Yes. Let's have a bit, and then Dave, you tell us what your thoughts on it are.
2: That's impossible. Hello, Tegan. Lisa?
1: It's been a long time. Too long.
2: Oh, my God. Are you okay? A little older. (laughs) Don't start me. How did you contact me? What are you even doing here? Looking for you, of course. But we left you on terminus. I hitched a ride. I've got so much to tell you. The Doctor wants to see you too. Which one? Scarf or celery? Or woman? Which do you think? Has he learned to fly that thing yet? (laughs)
0: I got my pilot's license back in 93. I could teach him a thing or two.
1: (laughs) I've missed this.
0: Those were the
2: days. I kind of wish I'd realized how lucky I was. Well,
1: now we've got a second chance. If you're interested.
2: You bet I am.
1: Like it? It's another little movie made by Peter Mick, Unpronounceable Surname. Um, reuniting, obviously, Janet Fielding and Sarah Sutton in Vision as Tegan Nessa for the first time in in 40 years. It's great, and it's a little twist. Obviously, that I don't want to spoil for Tom, who hasn't seen it yet, and he might watch it. You never know. It was fun, the little mini movie at the start. But I just, you know, i almost wanted to just to skip and start getting the the details of the extras, because that's frankly that's what I, we that's what we buy them for, isn't it? It's a fun one, season 20. It's been rumoured for a long time that it was going to be the next one, so I'm glad it's finally confirmed. And dear Matthew Purchase, who's been going off, he's not on Twitter for the last couple of months, fretting about the fact that no new announcement will be made. He'll be able to sleep at night,
0: which is a good thing. Absolutely. So, Tom, season 20, it's 1983. Do you remember watching this when it went out? I know you've mentioned previously some things, but uh, where were you in
2: 1983? 1983, I was unemployed. I'd left school, I had um, spent a year unemployed uh, from 82 to 83, and then I went to college to study mechanical engineering in 83. So when was this broadcast? What time of year was it? From the very January. beginning of... Eight...
0: January, January 1983,
2: yeah. So, yeah. well, well, when the first episode of Arc Infinity went out, I was officially unemployed. And uh, so it was a bit of a time of my life. Uh, but I've got... Fairly fond memories of this particular season. Uh, certainly, you know better memories than I have of of Peter Davidson's third and last season. But we'll get onto all that. Excellent, okay. so Dave. I was
0: nine at primary school. What about you? Excuse me. I turned ten in March
1: of nineteen eighty three. So I was I was nine when um when the bulk of it was going out. It's a series I remember very very fondly. It was kind of. I was really in that, still in that early, rushing, exciting sort of peak of becoming a, a Doctor Who fan, and um, yeah, I was surprised I actually. Think about it. I, there's an awful lot that I remember of stuff that was going on and stuff that happened when that season was going out.
0: Interesting. What were you? So,
1: say, okay, what was, were you so, wh- I was in primary five. I've just worked out. So where so you I'd,
0: have been, I'd have been primary four then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so me. it was an interesting time. Um, but yeah, just the thing is. I don't have particularly strong memories of watching it as it went out until really until *Enlightenment*. Um, I mean, the really the really bizarre memory that I've got is that when we were doing maths in secondary school, so about 1986, one of the things that the problems we solve involves te- you know television times, and they had like fake TV listings, and one of the ones mentioned was *Arc of Infinity* episode three. I have no idea why that was, but um, but there Not we me. go. So did we enjoy the return of Omega and Arc of Infinity? I think it's fair to say that we can mention that now. It's not really a spoiler after forty years.
2: <laughs> no, I didn't. I was uh I think it was a wasted opportunity. Because Omega, you know, when we heard that it was coming back, we just we had visions. So all we could do, obviously, as anyone thought of, was the three doctors. Which at that time was still quite a vivid memory and I'd read the novelization about like 10 times by then and he had he had adopted a certain kind of iconic status there. Yeah. I've been the first in this episode to say iconic and you know he was an important figure in Doctor Who lore and then we watched Arc of Infinity and I mean dear me, what was <laughs> the point? It was just, it was a, it was a real uh, disappointment frankly. Uh, you know, okay, it was shot on location. Whoopie do. What's the point of that? What's the point of going to the expense of that if you don't have the script and you don't have the plot? So there we are. Oh, can I tell you a, wee, uh, a little kind of tangential thing here in the in the space between the previous season and this one. I wrote a synopsis for a Doctor Who story and I sent it, it was a four episode thing, it was called The Seeds of Destiny, I won't bother boring you with the story. And I sent it to John Nathan Turner and I got this beautiful letter back and I'm really disappointed and saddened that I no longer have the letter. And I remember remember it very vividly, the TARDIS at the top of the letter and it was from John Nathan Turner and he'd written it himself he'd signed it and he thanked me for my letter I think he must have thought I was like 12 years old (laughs) 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 and uh, he thanked me for for the the story which he really enjoyed but sadly uh, a number of the elements that I had included uh, in my story had already been filmed as part of the next season just coincidentally and I've just remembered that one of the things I had in my story was the Doctor being sentenced to death and executed by the Time Lords. Ooh. So there we go. And that's, of course, one of the in, the, in arc of Infinity. So there we go. I just remembered that. <laughs> that's, that's, cool.
0: a, that's a really cool detail. Dave, what's your thoughts on this one, particularly with the Argon? Um, oh, the oh,
1: Ever Gone Threat, obviously being the, one of the best tracks in Doctor Who the music. Maybe we could play it with that later, that would be fun. Um, I like Harkoo Infinity. Like, you know, I mentioned earlier that this was the early time of me being a Doctor Who fan and the three Doctors had only been shown about a year and a bit or so before. So of course I knew who Omega was. Everyone at school knew who Omega was. Of course, the episodes themselves don't tell the audience who Omega is, and you know <laughs> we're expected to remember them from the repeat of the three Doctors a year and a bit earlier. I remember it very clearly because the night episode one went out, my mum and dad and Alice and I went to the went to the shows at Kelvin Hall, and I wish I could remember the name of it. There was a sort of animated movie. It, was, it must have been a Monday. I think it was. It was on Monday when I, I can't remember. there's was a sort of animated movie with like of Racing sort of, um, I animated it was kind of stop motion puppets, but about some kind of race, um, involving weird little creatures and animals. And this, the, the music of which was sampled on a single by Naughty's Boy Band Blue, before <laughs> I could remember what the name of the film was. But anyway, um, After Infinity, I quite like it. I, I liked the location filming, I found it incredibly exciting, and um, it's a story, it's, it's quite funny to watch it now, obviously, because Colin Baker is in it. So when Maxwell pops up, you, you have that little, oh, hang on a minute, what's the doctor doing there? And I was always disappointed that Maxwell never came back or on the TV show to maybe explain why Peter was leaving and was coming in, but I quite like it. I, I kind of disagree. I, I'm not blind to it's faults. It's quite talky and, and lacks a lot of explanations. And Tom's right in saying that ultimately the location is kind of pointless, but I quite like it. It's one that I remember. I remember the anticipation being huge you know, for that new series starting. Um so it's one I'm quite fond of. What do you think of it, Ken?
0: Um it's middle of the road. Uh Gallifrey looks like a wallpaper showroom and oh. uh it's just um, yeah, well it, it yeah, it looks lovely. There's some great location work and I love Sarah Sutton and Janet Fielding's new outfits. The fact of <laughs> Oh no don't oh, hang on. on. Sarah keeps her outfit in this one it's, it's Snake Dance when she changes. But uh yeah, it's nice to see uh a change of gear and um, Peter's very good in this one, so
2: Can I take this opportunity to call bullshit on something David just said? All right, sure. Didn't take you long. You're telling me that a secondary school no, sorry, a primary school in Paisley, every pupil knew who Omega was. Are you shitting me? <laughs> I'm
1: talking about I'm talking about within my immediate circle of class Ah, through. see, see, I thought that. I yeah, thought- that's what I'm you know, who watched um who had watched The Five Faces, and I remember, I remember us all, it was one of the hymns, because this was the days, listeners, when we had assemblies at school, when all the kids had to sing hymns on a a Friday morning. And I remember, there was, I can't remember which hymn it was, but it had a line, alpha and omega, and we were all like, is that omega, is that where it comes from? We were only nine, eight or nine, you know? Um, Yeah, because it was, it was, it's an interesting thing about Ark and Finney, if they hadn't repeated the three doctors, until yeah. In 1981, would that story even have been made?
0: Probably not. Uh, good point. Interesting. Interesting. Let's move on. Snake Dance, a sequel to a story from the previous season, Kinda, which I really enjoy, Kinda, but I don't know. I've never quite had the same affection for Snake Dance, despite the fact that it's Martin Clune saying, Look at me. Mm. I'm just on my Martin <laughs> Clune's pouty lips impression there. Um, I'm glad I missed that. It's not it's I don't know there's there's something about it it's there's a great story in there but it's just I think it's struggling under the weight of an awful lot of expectations that are going around it and I think the set design is kind of flat and it never quite works in the same way that was the kind of had atmosphere this one perhaps it doesn't it feels a bit too artificial perhaps would that be fair to say Dave?
1: Um, I disagree completely mate. I understand what you mean about the some of the lighting is is a bit lacking in atmosphere. I think it's I think it in to use a terrible word, I think it's better than Kinder in a way because it's much more coherent, it's a lot more linear, easier to follow. Um Peter Davison's brilliant in it. There's that bright scene when he's making the ear, the sort of headset thing for um for Teagan and he's talking to Nissa, but he shouts because so that he'll hear himself. But Nissa's sort of like you don't have to shout because I can hear that bit's really good. Clunsey's brilliant. Martin Clune, Martin Clune, Ying ding ding ling, Martin Clune.
2: There's
1: that funny cliffhanger when he's like, you know, kill them now or something like that. And then it's Look one of those terrible sp- spoken cliffhangers that it gets immediately sort of dealt with with the next line in the next episode. But I think it's it works because. We all remembered the Mara from kinder. Everyone at school remembered Damara from kinder. We knew who, who, what was going on. Um, it was very exciting that the Mara was back. I think the snake and snake dance is much more effective than the one in kinder. Janet Fielding gets a, a lot to do. Jonathan Morris is in it as well. Not that Jonathan Morris. And um, and he's, he was you know very much a TV face in the eighties as well as Clunzy. So it's it's um it's uh, yeah it's one that I like a lot. I remember um, being very excited when our local library got the got the hardcover of the. Of the novelisation, then because I, didn't, I don't think it came out too too long after it been on television, and it's very exciting to read it again. I have clear memories of reading that, walking up to school one day. I was such a little geek; it was great.
2: Tom, I agree with you, Kenny. I think I think it was a it was a an okay story, but it it suffered from the fact that everyone was comparing it to Kinder, because Kinder in, and the, and actually most of the first season was. Was was very high quality storytelling, I thought, um, and they tried to capitalise on that success by making a sequel to Kinder, and it just didn't live up to standards. It just followed the the then traditional path of most sequels of being just not quite as good. You know, as Dave says, it's got some good bits in it, and the performances are good, but the story really lacked something. Interesting. Oh,
0: right. Okay, Modern dead. we meet a new companion in Turlough. Tom, were you somebody who took a
2: shine to Turlough early doors? I did. I, I thought it was uh, a breath of fresh air because he, he was very different from any companion we'd seen before. And, uh, and also, after Adric had died, I wanted another male companion to, to join the crew. But, but Modern Undead was brilliant for us fans who were steeped in the lore. I can't help thinking, in hindsight though, that this was the beginning of the end uh, under John Nathan-Turner because he was revealing his fanboy tendencies. He, was, he, he had decided by this point he was going to make the show for diehard fans rather than for a more general audience. Um, if you look at the viewing figures, it probably isn't from this particular point, but you know, viewing figures did go consistently downwards under his leadership. But you know, I thought it was a it was a nice spooky story. Some of the you know, the, the prosthetics were actually quite disturbing, and it was lovely to see uh, the Brigadier back. Dave,
1: I remember that reading the Radio Times listing for *Morden Undead*. so I used to discover the Radio Times when I was a kid. It was. It was a cheat to find out what was going to happen next in Doctor Who. And I remember being surprised that it wasn't pronounced Turlog, because <laughs> that's how I made it. And I wondered what a modern was, and I didn't know what Undead was. But it was nice to see the Brigadier, because by then I'd read a few of the books, and obviously we'd seen him in the repeat of the three Doctors, so I knew who he was. Probably wouldn't have the same um, free-song for me as it would for older fans. Tom makes excellent, you know, ever agree with everything Tom says there about... Um, Ginty's preoccupations and chasing the fan audience. You know, other other showrunners have done similar things since. It's I think it's it's a really brave story because it does that whole to the you know the events playing out in parallel type, you know, time zones six years apart. I love all that. That's really, really well done. It's very coherent, it works very well. I like the fact that Nissan Teagan think this is the doctor. I love the bit when the brigadier says he's experienced regeneration before. I love all that sort of stuff. It's it's a good way of doing continuity without Beating people over the head with it, and without there's enough of a solid story underneath it all that the continuity isn't the sole reason for, the, for it to exist, like it kind of seems to be happening with a lot of stuff in spin off media these days. I like it a lot. I think some of it's a bit flat, it's a bit the doctor's a bit helpless. There's a thing that kind of happens to Peter Davison, so especially in this series, when he stopped being the doctor and really just becomes Joe Exposition, and this is quite a bad one for it, he gets fewer and fewer sort of character lines and good jokes and stuff and he just really becomes the guy that explains what's going on there's tons of scenes when he speaks very quickly to Turlough and then runs out the room loads of that and this is where it really kicks in and um that's all he seems to do for the next few stories really He's just run up and down corridors which is a shame but tom makes excellent point about john nathan turner's focus it's absolutely true what do you think of it kenny
0: I think well, we get one of the great doctors who never was in David Collings. I think he's brilliant, absolutely brilliant as modern. And if we didn't know better, you could believe he was the doctor. He's got that vulnerable sort of edge to him. You could imagine him playing yeah. the fifth doctor very much. And I think you know, there's nice wee touches like Tom's season 18 quote, making a reappearance. And of course we get a young, uh, what's name Lucy Baker, who of course would later feature in EastEnders. Uh, playing Lisa as under the actress's name of Lucy Benjamin, Lisa, as Phil Mitchell would say constantly. And um, I mean, and the music is glorious. I think Paddy Kingsland has a does a great score in this, um, with particularly when the, the cars get nicked. Oh, I hate
1: that bit. Oh, I quite like that. Oh, the I think the music's one of the weakest things of this story. It's so overdone. You get that meow electric guitar at points. What they're, they're doing, obviously. Because it's just another shop, some people walking down a corridor and they try to make it exciting.
2: Oh mm, well, I quite like it. and that, I think
1: that that bit at the that bit at the start. The doodly, 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 doodly. It's like, nope, I hope the blue <laughs> I hope there's a, I hope there's a Blu-ray option to watch it with a with a less crap soundtrack in that <laughs> opening
0: And I do like the set design in Modern Spaceship, very arty and got a 1930s art deco kind of look to it so I quite like that as well so we'll go there's a positive as well but no I enjoyed this one I think it's uh, of the three we've talked about so far this one's definitely my favorite and then we move on to Terminus with uh where jolly tunes would probably have been quite welcome Dave
1: <laughs> Terminus is a funny one I really like it I like it sort of sterile sort of science fiction the atmosphere I think a lot it's another one where the doctor just gets to just do exposition um and obviously it's only second story and Turlough really doesn't get much to do he's sort of stuck crawling up and down not corridors what is it what would you call it pipes or something with um with teagan and it's also it's it's really really grim which I quite like I quite admire it because it has as a sterile I think's the best word for it it's you know it's dealing with death and disease but ultimately sort of hope and I love the way that Nissa sort of leaves to go and do something about the, this horrible situation that they found.
2: Tom? Um, well, I'm, I'm now going to out myself as a sleazy old man, but you have to remember that I saw this <laughs> as an 18-year-old. An <laughs> uh, and the only thing I can remember about this... <laughs> and you know what I'm going to say. Yeah, you sound like Katie. For, for absolutely no reason at all, Nessa just takes her skirt off at one point, and it's never really explained. But I have to tell you that as an eighteen-year-old, I was too busy applauding to worry <laughs> about to worry about an explanation. And beyond that, I don't really have enough lot of memories of this. Uh, although that one is a very vivid one.
0: Did Seem you remember joining? Yeah. Did you ever get the BBC postcard either of you with Sarah Sutton with the red background?
2: No.
1: I never. Oh God! I, I never fancied Nissa. Never.
2: <laughs> oh, did you know
1: <laughs> No,
0: you really. Teddy, what's your thoughts on Terminus? Terminus is a tough watch. It's one that, if I'm watching it, I will do it one episode at a time. Sometimes I can do, I prefer to do stories two episodes at a time before I go to my bed. But with this one, it will be one episode at a time when I re-watch it. It's a good story. Really good sci-fi concepts in there. The, the design is great, particularly the the masks and stuff that the veneer have. Um, the less said about the garb, the better, probably. And we get, of course, um, Lisa Goddard and her amazing space helmet that manages to contain her hair. Um, Lisa but-
1: Goddard off television, this, which is another indicator. You know, Tom was talking about John Nathan Turner's preoccupations. This is another one getting people off the television on. And that's yeah. Lisa Goddard. Yeah. She was not an actor. She's not fake. She, I mean, obviously, she went on to do sort of recurring Bergerac very well but she was, she was a TV personality first and foremost, you know, that, that's its, you know, give us a clue and all that sort of stuff. So it's fascinating, it was really, really quite interesting that he got her in to play this sort of tough space pirate as Kenny says, her hair was glamorous and ridiculous yeah. and, you know, terrible. Was Lisa oh, Goddard no, no.
0: not an actress in The Brothers with Colin?
1: That's where they met and then they get married. Her, my, my perception over at the time was it was Lisa Goddard
2: off the television. She was yeah, famous, well, it, for yeah. it, seemed it, it, famous for being famous. We've all discussed this before when we discussed Shock, and I criticised the fact that Beryl Reid was in it as a starship captain for crying out loud. And it was pointed out by one of you that, well, she was a, an actress in some very prestigious movies and stage shows. But that's not the point because by 1982, mm. she was simply a TV personality, a comedy TV personality. didn't matter yeah. about entertaining Mr Sloan. You know, she was just a, she was a square on celebrity squares, yeah. um, and and that's all she was to a whole new generation. And and Jonathan Turner just did this all the time. I mean, Ken Dodd, for Christ's sake!
0: Oh, we never did the season twenty four episode. Probably a good thing, so you two wouldn't yes. fall out. Let's move on <laughs> to Enlightenment, Tom. What do you
2: remember about this one I apart from Captain okay. Rack? In five minutes. <laughs> Well, I was going to say all I remember about this really are some pretty dodgy special effects and we can come to that when we're talking about the special extras on this, box set. And Nurse Gladys Emanuel. Yeah. Have I got the right... You have indeed, yeah. Um, And Lee John from Imagination. And Lee John, that's right. Lee John. I remember Um,
1: being fascinated by Lee John. I didn't think it was allowed for pop stars to be in Doctor Who. I know that flips what I'm saying about Lisa Goddard being a TV personality, but I was astonished I was like, Lee John?
2: Can this is this a what? Well, Wait, it this? was a, it was it was understandable that he had Lee John on, uh, and, and also Gladys Emmanuel, because the alternative having them on would have been to get actors. And presumably they would have cost too much. So this was all of a piece of John Nathan Turner's plan to I don't know what he was planning to do. I mean the, the stories by this time were so niche and fan-oriented that it yeah. wasn't going to compensate for the, for the loss of mainstream viewers by bringing in bad actors. So I'm I'm not sure why. I mean, Glad I can't remember what Gladys Emanuel's name as I keep calling her that. Linda Barrett. I mean, the, the only thing I ever remember being in was a CBeebies show where she she and a dog piloted a plane every episode. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Which I had to sit through many times when our boys were very young. And it was bloody awful, but she wasn't any worse (laughs) than she was in Enlightenment.
1: I seem to remember Open All Hours actually even going out the same night as Doctor Who that year. I love Open All Hours, it's one of my favourite sitcoms. Enlightenment's an interesting one, because they bring back the Black and White Guardian, who'd last been in it in, what, 1979, something like that? but they don't really tell us who they are we're just expecting to know which is another one of these John Nathan Turner things that Tom highlighted of just addressing the, the hardcore fans my main memory of episode one is having to take my wee where we had to take my little sister down to the casualty department at the, the REI in Paisley because she'd fallen and banged her head on the headboard of my mum and dad's bed because she was when she'd been jumping up and down on it I think it was that night might be another night but um, I remember having the Go to the hospital after quite soon after Doctor Who and lots of drama. I really like it, apart from the, the fact they don't explain who the guardians are. Um, and the, the crucial thing to point out about Enlightenment, where it fails, is there's never a scene where I think I've said this in the podcast before there is no scene when the doctor discovers that Tullo works for the Black Guardian, does not get confronted by it, and there's never a scene where they reconcile and figure it out. All happens off camera. I think that's pretty shitty. Pardon the French. And that's pretty bad television. They should have done something better with that.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Um, I quite enjoy it. I think the, the original model works quite enjoyable in places. Um, but my that main memory, brilliant. my main thought, when I think of Enlightenment, my main thought actually takes me to June 2018 when I was in my old job at Scottish Field. And uh, there was a, the Rewind Festival came to Schoon Palace in Perthshire. And they offered me a whole load of people to interview and um there's kim appleby your status quo omd bonnie tyler but no i picked the interview with lee john just so i could have a quick chat about Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and i've actually just found the story it's on the website and um there's yeah there's like two paragraphs at the end talking about doctors so gratuitous clickbait Penny you could post a link to that either via Twitter or our, our Facebook page if it's still active oh it is I'm looking at it just now yeah it's all there so Woo-hoo. there we That'll go so a few clicks for the old job in there and then of course the season comes to a conclusion with <laughs> the King's Demons Tom I'm going to come to the Master do you like it Ainley?
2: I don't <laughs> I, 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 I don't like it Ainley uh, you prefer I, beavers? I prefer Pogado <sighs>
1: You like you like a bit you like a bit of Roger thing.
2: Oh, is this what this has become? Have we descended? I, this? It's blame him. he started it. I do blame him. Don't worry. I like chameleon. Um, wasn't used enough. I can understand why because they couldn't really get it to work. But I think the idea of it was a good one. This is a two parter, isn't it? Hmm. Mm. I, I remember at the time actually because um, a lot of my friends were. Um, Constantly complaining about the, 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 you know, ever since, you know, back in Tom Baker's time, that there was a, a lack of imagination when it came to the structure of stories, that everything was four episodes. And in our memories, you know, in, in Doctor Who's heyday, there's lots of six episode adventures. And that didn't happen so much as it, as it went on. Uh, but I remember getting quite excited at the idea there was a two episode Doctor Who adventure. And just the fact that it was a different format got my interest up. I mean, that shows you how little I was excited by stories <laughs> that were being used. I actually got more excited at the fact it was a two-part instead of a four-part. But I liked this one. I thought this was a, a, a decent ending to the season. I thought it was unusual. I thought some of the ideas in it were unusual. It's a bit like Black Orchid. Um, you know just it's slightly different from the normal run-of-the-mill stuff so I, I enjoyed this but I must you know I, I never enjoyed Anthony Ainley he was just such an old ham and I know that in this this period of Doctor Who that's kind of the norm for a lot of guest stars but you know you had Peter Davison who was really trying to act in this you know not just in this episode you know throughout the series and he was trying to bring Uh, a little bit of nuance and and acting technique and then Antony Ainley comes in I mean literally like a pantomime villain because that's all it was he was a pantomime villain and I don't know if it was just because once again you know the the blame maybe goes back to John Nathan Turner who you know masterminded the atmosphere and the characterization of a lot of these villains and that's obviously what he wanted you know I can't imagine that Antony Ainley just did all this on his own without any kind of instruction from, from Jonathan Turner. But what we've got is a pantomime villain that was a bit embarrassing to watch, I think.
0: Dave, where do you stand on the issue of the master actor? That was quite well, a good master Mike. debate here.
2: <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> You're shame, that.
1: shameful. He's, well, no. Yeah. If you pardon the expression He's my master <laughs> um, People will talk about their doctor um, I like him a lot I mean I think there are subtle there are shades To what he does here and there um, Very watchable um, I like him a lot I quite like The King's Demons as a story um, And I, The day that I bumped my uncle Ian And Aunt Margaret and I Bumped in at John Levine in Salisbury was the day That we all went to look at Magna Carta That was quite interesting It's my Magna Carta tie-in story um, yeah i remember the two parts being feeling quite exciting but it's a weird one because again turlow does nothing he just gets literally just gets locked in a room um and doesn't get much to do um i remember being really excited about chameleon and the scope and the potential but they didn't i mean they did nothing with it they seemed to forget the fact he could change shape so why didn't they just have chameleon look like someone else in every story yes. or play a returning i always thought it'd been cool. They could have got John Pertwee back for an episode and had Chameleon look like the Third Doctor, you know that sort of thing. Um, it's it's um it's they repeated the following year, which I remember. And Peter Davison's hair is fantastic. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I like it a lot, but it's um it's 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 a, it's an interesting story because I remember being really excited at all the potential that could follow after it, and and it was and you know especially with Chameleon, and it was just weird that they never really lived up to that I, I remember I think I've said this in the podcast before that every story that followed onwards I just kept wondering right where's Chameleon why is Chameleon not in it so when he finally turned up in Planet of Fire um, I was alright I thought, I thought I'd thought imagined him you know
0: yeah I know what you mean I mean I thought there's great potential there but just so poorly used and as you say Mark Strickson locked up what a waste considering when we've heard what he can do with Big Finish great comedy timing good foil for Davison and bounce as well off janet they're a, they're a good pairing um they're my definitive fifth doctor companions um tegan and turlow and i was mm. just disappointed that they didn't get enough really to to do it although it looks bloody freezing in that castle so that's something that sort of did capture the period feel and i quite like the jousting and so on obviously not to the same yeah. extent i would get in uh game of thrones in years to come but uh and a bit more bloody as well
1: it's got the top it's... The first time I saw it, after a while, it reminded me of the first series of Blackadder in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I'm, I wonder if anyone's ever done one of those supercut videos. Um, Pip made blocked me on Twitter, so I have no idea if he's ever done a Blackadder King's Demons um, mashup video. Maybe I'll do one.
2: Well, it's the same year, of course. Uh, yeah, exactly. The Black Blackadder. Right. Yeah. Right. Before we uh, continue, has anyone had this experience? I made a cup of tea the other day, right? Bear with me, this story gets even better. Okay. Okay. And I poured, there was already milk in the cup, because I do milk first, I'm sorry. I'm, still, that's I'm same. the same. I'm the way Tom. And I put, I put, I poured in boiling water and I heard this very loud crack. And suddenly, all the tea started seeping out from a crack in the base of the cup, of the mug, right? And I lifted it up and there in the bottom of it, was a big crack just along the base. And the hot water had done this. This is a cup I've had for years. I've never seen that happen before. I mean, has that ever happened? I mean, I can not know it's a glass. You don't, <clears hot throat> water. you don't boil water into a glass and let you white crack it. Um, but this was a, a mug I've had for years. No, no. nothing. Isn't that's not so bizarre? It is bizarre. Just was it? Is it very, 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 very old? No, I mean we've had it for a long time, but if it's not. Yeah, you know, maybe ten years or something. But I, no, that's that's weird. That's weird. Anyway, I thought it's here. No, yeah. that's interesting. So why don't we crack on?
0: See what I did there, and uh, talk about the twentieth anniversary special. I mean, I remember being so excited when I heard that this was happening. You think, oh my goodness, all these doctors. I mean, obviously we got the publicity pictures without Tom, and we got the wax work. And then it just came to the night of it being shown and I never got to see it on original transmission because I was at the Cubs that night and my parents wouldn't That's let right. me miss it. And um, my dad summed up the plot for me and he basically described what would be dimensions in time a decade later. So it was <laughs> um, an interesting one. So did you not? Did you not have a video recorder at the Yes, day? we did. We had a video 2000, which you, know, you could record oh, wow. on both sides. But we were recording, and then just when the TARDISes are dematerializing at the end and all flying off, my tape ran out. So the ending after that, I never got to see until the repeat. Obviously, I read the novelization. but even now, because I watch Five Doctors so often from that video 2000 recording, that new stuff feels like an extra scene for me. So it feels like something completely new. What about you, Tom? Oh. Where did you first see it?
2: Yeah, I saw it on broadcast. Um, it was uh, during Children in Need, I think. Mm. Yep. Uh, so obviously, so you're in the studio watching, I don't know who the hell, Terry Wogan, I guess. Uh, and then it cuts to William Hartnell with his, his monologue at the end of Dialects Invasion of Earth. Uh, and that was very, very exciting. Um, you know, expectations were high, of course. I'd seen the 10th anniversary special live on broadcast. So this was... Yeah, this was very exciting. And I I enjoyed it, you know. Um, I wasn't raving about it afterwards, I don't seem to think. It was, there was a couple of disappointments in it. The biggest disappointment, of course, was Tom Baker's non-participation. Um, and we, I, I remember thinking it was great that they got Richard Handel in to play Hartnell. Uh, even though he was too tall, it was still, it was great that they'd actually go into the effort of getting somebody of the same age and looking similar um, and it was great to see all the returning companions especially Susan um, but in that very you know the brewing scene towards the end where the the four doctors confront um, the, who's the baddie again I can't remember his name Marusa. Uh me and my friends were watching this and we said the same thing if only Tom Baker had been there that would have just made it perfect. Yeah, um, and I just felt very let down by him on that uh, occasion. And I know that he subsequently came to regret not taking part. Um, yeah. But the fact is, he let he let the fans down, and he let us down quite badly. But I enjoyed it. I thought it some great ideas in it. You know, the 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 robot that jumps around that belonged to the Cybermen. What was that called?
0: The Raston Warrior Robot.
2: Raston. That was a brilliant idea. Um, I remember reading subsequently that the original plan was to have Autumns in it. They were always my favourite monster, and I was disappointed that they were um, So yeah, it was it was good. It was, I'm always a bit wary of these stories that, and you know the the uh, the Da Vinci Codes did this as well. And you get you get and Indiana Jones does it all the time. You you know if you work out all the clues, it gets you to the final aim and I hate those stories because you know it, it it just means that the cleverest puzzle solver gets to the end I mean that's that's rubbish you know you want the right person not the cleverest person to get to the end or anyway I, I, I don't particularly like those that idea it's been overused but it was great it was a good way of getting all the five doctors together
0: yeah and just for you're mentioning the scene with the autons Um, We'll actually have some more information about that in a future Power of Three episode where we chat with the guys who've made the extras for the Blu-rays, so there we go. And also coming soon, you guys can see this, and obviously our YouTube viewers can as well, it's the Richard Herndl action figure. Oh, wow! Uh, Coming soon, my boys! Mm, But there's no pineapple. And And also coming with it, the Dalek with red ears, so... Menosity um, dispensers. Do you,
1: do you play with your Doctor Who action figures in the bath, Kenny?
0: No, that would ruin them, Dave. But I play with them when I'm at work. <laughs> Dave, share your memories of the five Doctors.
1: I've I've been trying to, th- trying to think when I first heard it was happening. Um, I remember the, the trailer, which had the immortal line, um, Brigadier, I think our past is catching up with us, or maybe it's our future, which. Just, that just blew my mind. The, my, my imagination was just fired by it completely. I was just like, "Whoa!" You know, it just—you know—it was a very tiny, whimy thing to say before that was sort of the norm. And I remember the, the bit in the trailer where you heard um, the first Doctor say regeneration, and I misheard Davison's reply. I think he says fourth, but I heard it what, and I thought that regeneration was going to be part of the plot. You know, something was going to... I remember, you know, I remember in a way it didn't... I remember loving it completely and being really really excited by it because there was lots of characters like Liz Shaw and Captain Yates who I'd only read about in the novelizations. I hadn't seen them on television yet because they weren't in The Three Doctors when that was repeated. It was amazing to see Jamie and Zoe again after having seen them in the Crotons. That was very exciting. All that stuff was great. I remember sort of thinking the story was just a little bit... Not as exciting as I imagined. Um, but like everyone else, I can probably recite it off by heart because I've watched it so many times. Um but yeah, I watched it the night of it now, beside myself. Um, loving every second of it. Delighting again to see John Pertwee, you know, who was still really new as Wurzel at that point, being Doctor Who again and just being amazed and I loved the Teeth and Curls joke and I was a bit hmm about the 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 steep hill that Sarah Jane fell down. I thought Richard Hundle was great I still think he's great I mean I've heard a lot of people saying he's nothing like William Hartnell in terms didn't really do write the first doctor very well but I I can imagine William Hartnell saying every single one of those lines in a very similar way to the way that Richard does it I mean I love to imagine the as easy as pie scene with Hartnell I think Hartnell and Teagan and Janet Fearing together would have been amazing um, it's a, such a shame that that never happened the, the one thing I think it falls down is, is I feel again Turlow just gets locked in a room him and Susan stuck in the TARDIS for the duration and I think Susan should have gone with um, the Doctor and Teagan and Turlow should have wandered off and bumped in at the second Doctor and the Brigadier because it's that you know Turlow and the Brigadier don't get a single scene where the Brigadier says why have you not been at school for the last six months <laughs> I missed the opportunity and I hope the, I hope the forthcoming 60th you know, for, sorry 40th anniversary, special edition, we'll write to that that somehow. But I like it a lot. It's um it's just a lot of fun. And it was when it was released in DVDs, a special edition in nineteen eighty sorry, in two thousand and eight, you know, um, that's what prompted my only ever complete watch through of Doctor Who. The nostalgia for it was overwhelming. The bonus features in that special edition DVD were amazing and they really took me back to the, the period when I just loved Doctor Who above all else. And it'll be interesting to see how I feel watching it again on this new Blu-ray set.
0: Yeah, and there's plenty of uh, extra features there. Uh, so we're getting the 95 special edition plus a new special edition for this. It's 40th anniversary and the 60th anniversary, which is quite exciting. Um, and updated yeah. digital effects for Snake Dance and Enlightenment. New documentaries on Ark of Infinity and the King's Demons. And, of course, an interview with Martin Clunes. Mm, look at me. Do we all know the Martin Clunes song? It's supposed
1: to be. Is that supposed to be a Martin Clunes impression?
2: Yeah. I think it's quite good, it's quite good Look at me. I don't remember <laughs> that Martin bit.
1: Clown, Martin Clone, ding, ding, Martin Clone,
0: ying-ding-ding-ling, Martin Klune. See
2: the special edition of The Five Doctors? I confess yep. I've never seen it. Oh, ah! Tom Harris. So what's the what's, what's the special about it? Extra scenes, um, remastered
0: film, new effects? There's a few, there's a few new sort of,
1: so some scenes are a little bit longer, Um, some scenes are in a slightly different order. There's a couple of little snippets here and there, and they kind of changed the, the scary black triangle to a sort of ice cream, oh. for the, for the, God. The special edition that came out in 1995, what, how long's was that, what, 28 years ago? <laughs> there's only 12 years between the original and the first special edition, and there's been nearly another 30 years until the next special edition that's
2: terrifying uh, The Radio Times are a nice cover for this Yes, it's dead. the skilleter painting Yeah, I have yeah. a copy of it
1: somewhere, not from the time um, it's one that my mum and my sister bought for me when they were down south at one point in the 90s, they saw it, they went some sort of like, you know, antiques fair, junk sort of effort sort of thing they spotted it and bought it for a small amount of cash and it's in a it's in a box somewhere. Yeah, I remember that? Yeah. Gosh.
0: Oh, I'm also looking forward to, nice to the... An,
1: I, hope, I hope we get an Andrew Scaletta Radio Times cover painting for the 60th. Wouldn't that be nice?
0: If only. If only. But Dave, uh, Matthew Sweet chats with Janet Fielding and Sarah Sutton, which are always good. Matthew, brilliant interviewer and really good company. Uh, of course, your pal from LA. Yes.
1: Once again, listeners, a reminder that when Kenny was in uh, Galway this year, given my pending very significant birthday, he got every, practically everyone he bumped into in the space of five minutes to say hello and wish me a happy birthday. Matthew Sweet was one of them, my close personal friend. <laughs> yeah, it, those the Matthew's interviews are always the first thing that I watch. They've been pretty marvelous so far, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. The, the one with Nicola Bryant was astonishing. Really really I to her time on the show and I hope that he does he gets the same sort of gets the same sort of level of um of interest out of Janet and Sarah I don't know if they're being interviewed together or separately, we'll have to find out. Oh look Tom is Tom's screen has gone completely black. Look at that YouTube completely disappeared. Wave your hands about so we can see just <laughs> falling asleep, great. all
0: this talk of special editions. Now he's back. So yeah, so I take it we've all got our pre-orders in then. Yes. Yes, ordered it from Nipper,
2: obviously. Of course. Right, but, but while we're on the subject, can I just raise a point of uh, disaffection? Uh, Kenny, you might have heard rumours of what the next box set is, and I'm going to hazard a guess here and say that the next box set will start with the number two. Uh, you know, it'll be one of the 20s that we haven't got yet. And I know why they do that because, you know, it's the most recent, easiest to interview people, guest stars, etc. But, you know, until they actually, you know, they've done season two, you know, um, until they actually start going back into the real history of the show, then I don't think this box set series is really going to capture the imagination as it should. You know, give us a special edition Give us season seven special edition. I know it's difficult to do any second Doctor special editions because so many of the episodes are missing. But you know there must be a way around that. You know, just give us some real historical classic seasons instead of always being, you know, Davison, Baker, or McCoy.
1: Well, this is only the second Davison set we've had. It's been nearly five years since his last one. Yes. did you listen Tom, did you listen to the episode Kenny and I did a couple of months ago where we speculated what the future of the blue re- releases might be? Yeah, I did, but I can't remember. Oh, what again. That's all right <laughs> then. Well, there's all these obviously there's all these rumors flying around that half of the space pirates has suddenly turned up and it's going to be revealed. So we'll see if that happens. I think I think season six would be a good one to do. There's not you know if they can put out season two missing its two episodes of the Crusade, I think they could do season six. Yeah for really good solid reconstruction of the Space Pirates. Maybe animate it and make it a Blu-ray set exclusive or something. Because there's a whole chunk of stuff in the 60s that it's kind of overlooked. And Ken, Ken and I obviously talked before about how some of these box sets might be cheaper because the animated versions have all been done already and they wouldn't have to spend a lot of time and money remastering quite so many episodes. I agree with you. I would like to see another sixty set. I think the next set will be a Tom Baker one because it's a while since we've had one of those. I Which think
2: have we still
0: not got from Tom Baker? Thirteen with starting with Terror of Zygons, fifteen with horror Fine rock and then sixteen key to time season.
2: Yeah, the the thirteen uh, is is widely seen as probably the best season ever. There's a lot of um <clears throat>
1: there's a lot of scope there for new effects I And mean, you could we could get CGI Scarrison, maybe. That'd be fun. Um they could have they done CGI replacement effects for the invisible enemy already? Is that something that's been done? I can't remember. I uh, don't think I so. I don't think they did. No. Oh, as we all know, as far as I'm concerned, the Invisible Enemy is the scary, scariest thing that's ever been made in the history of film and television. So it's not one that I've watched very often because I can't handle it.
0: Ah. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's fair to say that I we're all this. looking forward to. It, but no, Tom. we <laughs> we know you mentioned the giant prawn before in the previous episode back in one of our very first episodes I think so yes the, the terror of the sizzling prawn um, but there we go so I think it's fair to say we're all quite looking forward to this one whenever it yes. may drop
1: brilliant yes I wonder when the, sorry I was just going to say like, I wonder when they will I mean they've only just announced season 20 and already people are saying when are they going to announce the next one but I wonder if we'll get another one before the end of the year the 60th anniversary is not the biggest anniversary. Want to celebrate? It'd be a good excuse for another one. Maybe we'll get one around about Christmas. It'd be good.
0: Yeah, I agree. Fingers crossed, but who knows? So, Dave, Tom, Penny. it's been great to see you both. Really enjoyed it, getting the the gang back together. Let's
2: leave it not so long next time. Okay,
0: okay. thanks. So much.
2: It's been a, it's been a joy. <laughs> As his lights go out again. <laughs> no, I no, never. No. Yes,
1: but uh, Kenny, thank you for having us. Good to see you both. Um, I could quite happily just sit here and rabbit all night, but there you go. We've yep. probably all got more important things to do. I've got a lot of homework for the, for the F2 podcast that have to do that see. I haven't done that I'm procrastinating on. So, well, I'm off to record last oh, week's I'm episode. And... Well, we're... Sorry, well, we're here. Sorry, Tom, have you listened to the, the latest couple of episodes of the F2 podcast? Because our Kenny appears as Golden Age superhero Dr. Midnight. And I never did the the uh, the phone that you wanted. I know. What can I know. We, what can we, yes, we had to. Peter had to improvise instead, but it was fine. It saved them, saved them a bit of editing. Sorry about that.
0: Well, Dave, give me a question. Kenny, can we play it with Ergon Threat, please? No, because that played earlier in the background. <laughs> All
1: right, you say so. Right. Okay. Well, what copyright infringement risking tune are you going to play it with today, then,
0: well, Ken? we were talking about season 20. I thought to go for some more gratuitous Pet Shop Boys with 20 something an album track. So good to see you, Tom. Good Home to see you, first. Dave. Bye bye. Take care, everyone.